0: Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. Ah! Thanksgiving and Happy Holidays. It's good to hear the dagger once again and a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. I'm your pre and post game host on WGN Radio. Chris Bowden joined as always by our Blackhawks reporter and weekend sports anchor here at WGN among many other hats that he wears. Joe Branjo good to see you once again. How are you? It's been too long, about a month since we uh, ran our, our Scotty Bowman uh, transparency uh, recap uh, summation of things until we start hockey again, but we do have some some news coming up here early this week. Wow,
1: yeah, you're right. It, it hasn't seemed like a month, but I, I oh, guess yes it is. Oh, yes, it has. <laughs> oh, yes, it has. I, I like uh, your interpretation of coming into the station and everybody approaching you. Hey, when is hockey starting? does hockey start? I did not know you were Gary Bettman. That's fantastic. That's, Congratulations. Uh, yeah,
0: well, I, I may not want to be Gary Bettman <laughs> right
1: now. And we'll get to where things stand here
0: uh as we record here on monday evening of thanksgiving week uh because it could change we hope it's going to change for the positive very soon also touch on a couple of other nuggets in terms of uh where they're talking about uh division stacking up uh, how the divisions uh what teams would be in which divisions, which uh, creates a very interesting scenario for the Blackhawks in a couple of levels, and also some uh, little bits uh, and news and nuggets about uh, some Blackhawks who have been in the news. But first and foremost, the big Blackhawks news coming down on Monday morning out of the blue, and uh, it was certainly a pleasant one. That being a uh, woman we're very familiar with, uh, not only here in Chicago and all Blackhawks fans, but on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast as well, Kendall Coyne Schofield being named a player development coach for the Blackhawks who will assume duties primarily uh, with the Rockford Ice Hogs and also Uh, being named as Youth Hockey Growth Specialist, and she has been involved in the grassroots development of both uh, youth hockey and women's hockey here in the Chicago area. She was named to that post in two other announcements as well. Eric Condra, a former NHLer who played for eight seasons in the league for Ottawa, Tampa Bay, and most recently the Dallas Stars uh, a year ago, not this past season, has been named a player development coach working with Kendall in Rockford as well. And also going to Rockford, Juan Gonzalez, who has been a part of the uh, training team for the U.S. National Development Team and a Chicago native. He has been named the strength and conditioning coach of the Rockford Ice Hogs as well. So some big, very welcome news. And it it comes, Joe, along a time where uh, uh, there has been a movement here for more effort and inclusion among females among minorities and the blackhawks have certainly answered that bell with uh you know a couple of other moves that they announced and have made over the course of the last i don't know six months a year that we'll get to in a moment but uh good and great to hear kendall coin Schofield again who we're all familiar with getting a, a much larger role and a role that i think she's going to excel at uh, and uh you'll hear during the Q and A about uh Uh, I asked her in particular how she thinks guys are going to take to her. But with her resume uh, and and what she has all done and the respect that she has garnered, I think it's going to be a very comfortable fit, particularly within this organization.
1: Stan Bowman used the term no-brainer, and I think it just kind of really hits home because you look at her resume, you look at what she's done. You also just look at what type of person she is professionally and both just personably. She's just... A breath of fresh air, a little excitement, and just very intuitive. You can hear her when she breaks things down, when she was either uh, doing games for the San Jose Sharks, that all-female broadcast that they did for the Blackhawks earlier this season. Uh, It just seems like she checks all the boxes in terms of this role especially. And I want to kind of go into the hockey growth specialist aspect uh, of that job that she has. So, okay, growing up in the 90s, you see kids wearing Jordan and Pippen and Rodman jerseys and playing basketball out in their front driveway every day. And then 20 years pass by, the Blackhawks have resurged, and you see kids playing hockey out in their front driveway, all wearing Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves jerseys. So... Yeah, that's an easy way to grow the sport when the team locally is doing well. You can't guarantee that year in and year out. So I think this role for her, hockey growth specialist, which again is just part of her role now with the Blackhawks, is just so pivotal for growing the sport not only in Chicago and maybe not even only in the Midwest, but throughout the entire nation because you take somebody who doesn't look like your typical NHLer. She's a woman, but (laughs) guess what? She's pretty darn good at hockey. She knows her stuff, and hey, look at me. Look at what I've been able to become. Look at what I can do, what I can bring to the table, and inspire that to anybody at a younger age, gender Uh, ethnicity, whatever, just to make it so much more acceptable for everyone to just take in this sport because, let's face it, hockey is generally to one demographic, but Mm. this helps the ability to just broaden the horizon, and it gets to the point of, no, they didn't hire her because she's a woman, they hired her because of her expertise, and I think when you expand the selection process of acquiring somebody in your organization for a specific role, and you're able to broaden out how how, exactly how far you're going to look, it really helps when someone like this is able to accomplish it because the resume shows it. We were talking about Kim Eng on the baseball side of things. I don't know how many times I heard people say, well, this is long due. She had been totally suited for a GM role. Years. Yeah. For a GM role at a baseball opportunity for for years and years and now she finally gets it and it's almost like she's overqualified. It's great to see Kendall Coyne Schofield get this recognition at this age for what she's already accomplished. We'll
0: talk a little bit more about some of the other women who have been promoted here of late in men's professional sports. But uh, you mentioned the resume, uh Olympic Golden 18 Olympic silver in 14 for the U.S. national team. Also, she's been a part of six women's world championship teams. And again, most notably in the greatest spotlight, if not the Olympic victory, the fastest skater challenge at the 2019 All-Star Game. And, you know, as you'll hear during the Zoom call that she had with reporters when I asked her about uh, the respect she has already garnered and perhaps has yet to earn among uh, her uh, pupils, if you will, Uh, that was right on the biggest stage of all. And she answered the bell at the last minute, and she was just as good, almost as good, uh, not even finishing in last place in that challenge and then again, she's also part of the broadcast booth for the San Jose Sharks, did some work for NHL Network, and again for NBC Sports Network in what was the next-to-last game for the Blackhawks of wow, the yeah. season against the St. Louis Blues uh, between the benches there. So Kendall has worn all the hats. You'll also hear her talk about she had a, me- a media relations internship with the Blackhawks about uh, six years or so ago. So uh, she has already tasted a lot of success and uh, has a lot of experience in uh, various other uh portions of hockey and the nhl and the blackhawks in particular and perhaps most of all joe she's a southwest sider
1: how about it
0: let's hear it for uh, let's give a hand to another southwest sider You're marriage guy i'm uh the the uh long uh uh, long uh uh, dead luther south (laughs) high school uh but nevertheless proud of that and uh she of course the sandberg high school product so uh let's let's hear some props for the Southwest sider too. How about know? it?
1: How about it? Southside Southside in pride.
0: Yeah, so uh let's without further ado and uh stop our babbling here from Kendall herself as she met with uh, reporters on Monday afternoon and she talks about a variety of subjects here you talk about. Uh again, my question a little, uh second one in about gaining trust of male players and working with them and how she thinks that will not be an issue, but nevertheless, her believing she's going to have to continue to earn that respect uh, based on her resume and based on the things that she passes along and all the hats that she has worn about about how that will benefit her and uh, talking about her influence on this Blackhawks youth movement that they have been preaching about. But first of all, as she met with reporters, she first asked a question about the opportunity in this organization that she had growing up with and also how she intends on continuing her playing career amidst all
2: this. This is an incredible opportunity. I'm so excited. And, you know, I remember being three years old, putting on my first pair of skates and, and watching the Blackhawks play. And then at seven years old, playing in the junior Blackhawks game at the United Center and doing it again when I was nine. And then from there, you know, time passed and I, I became an intern in 2014 after the Olympics in the media relations department. So I've always felt a part of this organization. So th- to see things uh, finally be formalized after almost a six, seven year relationship from a business standpoint is, is such an honor. I'm so excited. Um, you know, as a, as a young kid, I, I always dreamed to be a part of this organization. And while that has evolved over time from maybe being a player, uh, to being a player development coach, it's finally here. And I'm so excited, uh, to be a part of this organization. And I am going to continue, uh, to play with the women's national team and set my set my, um, goals to, to make a tw- the 22, 2022 Winter Olympic uh, team, and so uh, the Blackhawks have an understanding that I am still committed to the women's national team, uh, that I'm training full-time, and I'm also committed uh, to my new role here with the Blackhawks as a player development coach and a youth hockey growth specialist.
0: Hey, Kendall. Congratulations from me, too. Um, I, I just want to get your sense of uh, how you've been received with the guys basically around the Blackhawks, but also at the NHL All-Star game, and how confident you are that, you know, um, guiding along uh, some, some male players uh, these days and being a coach to them, uh, whether you have any concerns in this day and age as to whether that will go over
1: or not.
2: Yes, that, that's a that's a great question. I think no matter who walks through the door, um, whether it's a new coach, uh, a new nutritionist, a new strength coach, as as a new coach, you need to earn the trust and the respect of the players. And I plan on doing that right away through the work ethic that I will show them. That's how I've made it as a player. And that's how I plan on making it as a coach. And while I might be the first female coach, a lot of these players have worked with, I, I don't see it being an issue. And I see them seeing me as as someone that's going to help them aspire to get to the next level to to fulfill their nhl dream and i'm going to do everything i can to get them ready to do that and um again i think through my hockey career i've been on the ice with so many players and i've earned the respect of those players you know th- through my skill through my merit um and that's what they're going to see me as when i walk through the door as as a coach i
1: hey,
0: candle congratulations um you've dabbled in so much in hockey from broadcasting
1: to playing what interests you in player development what do you feel like you bring to this position
2: what interests me is being able to help this organization win a Stanley Cup. I, I'm a competitor. I've I've won at majority of the levels of the that I've played at, and to be able to be in a role to help develop. And to help this team win championships, the team that I grew up watching, the team that I, you know, that I sat on the couch and watched win three Stanley Cups um, and shed a little tear here and there watching. And then now to be in a role to help develop those next generation of players who are going to want to raise the cup is, is phenomenal. And that's what I'm so excited about because I'm a competitor and I've always have been. And so uh, that's what I'm going to do uh, in this role. Thank you. Congratulations, Pendo. Because you were a broadcaster with San Jose and you've worked for the NHL and you've, you've been a player, how much has been
1: in all those different facets being able to help you learn how to be a coach in many, in many different facets rather than just singularly with one team?
2: Uh, it, it's been a part of my journey. It's been a part of my process. I've learned so much along the way. And I think each stop that I've made along the way, whether it's playing, whether it's broadcasting, whether now it's being a player development coach, I always stay true to being a sponge and learning from those around me and, and taking, taking what I can and taking it with me. Um, and so I've been very fortunate. The San Jose sharks were an incredible um, organization that opened their arms to me last year, and I'll miss them very much. Um, but it, like I said, in, in what, in, in my statement, my part of my, my heart will always be teal, um, you know I heard from Doug Wilson this morning, which was incredible, and so you know I think i 've learned so much along the way and, and specifically too i've i 've seen different aspects of Pro sports through whether it's seeing my husband through football or being a media relations intern, being a broadcaster, now a coach, being a youth hockey growth specialist and a community liaison that I've been with the Blackhawks for so many years now. I've been able to see the different aspects of the organization, which I think has helped me see where I can insert myself, where I can be an asset. And that's why I'm so excited about this player development role because I've been in hockey my whole life. I know I can help, I know I can be an asset, and I know I can help this team win championships.
0: Hey, Kendall, uh, congratulations. I just wanted to ask what your responsibilities will include and and how welcoming are you of this challenge, even though you are wearing so many hats with playing and broadcasting?
2: Yeah. So I will, I will have a few different responsibilities. A lot will be with uh, working with the prospects being in Rockford, um, you know, watching games, scouting uh, when I can, I know we don't know when the season will start or what we'll be allowed to do in terms of COVID policies, but a lot of it will be working with the prospects and in addition to scouting and then my role with, as a youth hockey growth specialist is similar to what I've been doing um, under the direction of Annie Caymans and her group. Uh, So I'm really excited to continue to do that, to continue to grow the golden coins program. Um, But I'm really, really excited to eventually get on the ice and work with the players.
0: Hi Kendall. Congratulations. Given the rebuilding that the Hawks are doing now, do you view this as an important time in the history of the franchise to have this role? And do you think
1: maybe you might have to get guys ready for a look a little bit sooner than than usual.
2: Great question. That's one of the reasons I'm even more excited is because there is such a focus and emphasis on developing the younger players and in in the organization and those younger players are the players that I'm going to be working with. And so, do I think that, you know, it's our job to make them NHL ready as soon as possible? Absolutely. I think that's always the goal no matter if the team is focused on developing the younger players right now or not. Um, you know, the goal is always to make sure that they're going to be NHL ready when they get the call. So uh, I, you know, I think it's a little bit of a combination of both, but definitely, and I'm excited. And I think one thing that I can relate to from, from my playing career is I was a young player for a long time with the women's national team. Now I'm finally old. Um, So I can relate to those players of what it feels like to be young and trying to make it to that next level. Um, And I, I can't wait to use that, um, use my experience to help guide them and their experiences.
0: Congratulations. Good to talk to you. Uh, I'm curious, uh, Kim Ang just got hired, obviously, as the Miami Marlins, uh, as GM's first woman to to hold that spot in the major four North American men's sports. Uh, And Cameron Granada is working in scouting.
1: Haley Wickenheiser is involved in this. I'm curious, is this something that you want to do? Do you see yourself wanting to be a head coach or be a GM someday in the NHL? I know you're still young, you're still playing, but is this something
0: kind of on your radar?
2: absolutely congratulations to Kim I think that was a, a huge win uh, for, for everybody when when we saw her get hired by the Miami Marlins um, but absolutely I think this is this is the first step in that process I think this is the first step in what is possible and um, I'm I'm looking forward to getting this experience, getting my again, getting my feet wet, learning um, from so many first-class people and and champions within the Chicago Blackhawks organization in this role. Um, and you know, I, I think the sky's the limit. I think I, you know, I, I can continue to grow and and again develop. Not to use the word develop as a player development coach, but I'm going to develop too within this role. And um, whether that's a coach or a GM, I, you know, I I think the sky's the limit, and, and I look forward to seeing uh, where this takes me. Hi Kendall. Uh, congratulations again. Um, I'm sure you've heard that a lot today, but I just wanted to go back. You know, uh, Stephen just mentioned Cami Granato and some of the other women who were in these roles. When Kami specifically was hired as a scout with Seattle, she said that she saw her hiring as a sign of the momentum happening in the sport with women being hired in different roles. In terms of the bigger picture, do you see your hiring here as a further extension of that momentum? Uh, great to talk to you. Thank you for your question. Uh, absolutely, I do. Um, and like I kind of alluded to before, I was, I was a little girl growing up in, growing up in the Chicagoland era, area playing the game because I loved it. And this is where it's taken me. And I think there's a lot of young girls, maybe in this area and beyond, but that are looking at this today and saying, wait, I can do that too. I can do that because I know when I saw Cami get hired, that was the first thing th- th- that went through my head was, wait, I can do that too. Um, you know, and, and as Billie Jean King always says, you need to see it to be it. And so um, I, I don't think that could be more true. And I think becoming the first female uh, player development coach in, in Blackhawks history uh, speaks volumes. And it's definitely going to create the next opportunity, uh, you know, for a young girl, whether she's watching now or or will watch later and she'll see it and she'll say, I want to do that, too. Um, so I definitely do think it, it, it is part of the uh, the broader growth that we're seeing uh, for females in the sport of hockey.
1: Kendall, congratulations. Uh, I just wanted to know how important is it to you the duality of this role, not only being a pioneer as a a coach at the NHL level, a development coach, but also in continuing to grow the girls game on the youth side. And I know that's something that's been important to you, but kind of keep your hands in both aspects of that in in
2: your role. Super important. I don't think I could do one without the other. I think continuing to grow this game, continuing to build opportunities and see kids get in the game. Like like I did as a young kid is so important to me because look at it as we're sitting here today, the opportunities that this game has brought me are endless and they're continuing and there's more to come. And so I want every young kid who wants to try the sport of hockey to be able to do that. And then to be able to retain these kids in hockey and make sure that they have similar experiences, if not greater experiences that I've had. So to continue to work in the community relations acts aspect under Annie Caymans, Lord Jordan, Jordan, Spencer Montgomery, and all of them is so important. Important to me because we're continuing to create opportunities and programs. We're continuing to create maybe the next Kami Granado and the next Patrick Kane who come through the Little Blackhawks programs and the Golden Coins programs. So, you know, we have to continue to build those opportunities for these kids. And so, I, you know, I'm, I, it, it excites me. I think everyone that knows me knows like I wake up and any kid that we can get in hockey, I'm. I'm all for, and I'm I'm excited to do. So um, it was extremely important to me to continue that role, and I've been doing it for so long. You know, a lot of credit is due to Annie Caymans. She's the one that kind of brought me on board, and and she pushed me into roles and and into environments I didn't know if I was really welcomed. You know, I I was like, well, the kids don't want to see me at a school visit with Jonathan Taves, do they? Really? Like, and she's like, you better believe they do. And it was like a moment like that where I was like, you're right you were so right. I went there and it was awesome. So she's put me in a position to be in the community and be around all these kids in, in the Chicago and Chicagoland area, which has, has also created a platform for me to give back and, and to create more experiences within the game. Um, so I, 100%, I could not do the player development role without the youth hockey growth specialist role as well.
0: The announcement on Monday comes on the heels of the announcement and the award for Blackhawks TV and the fine folks over at Banner Video that uh, I have a pleasure of working with on a consistent basis with the Blackhawks for the for the uh, pregame scoreboard preview with with Troy Murray. But that uh, tandem, Blackhawks TV and Banner Video, put up the, the great documentary called As Fast As Her – Got a lot of recognition, and rightly so. And on Sunday, it won a Midwest Emmy, Emmy for Outstanding Sports Documentary. Uh, among that, among TV stations in Chicago and other Midwest markets. So it's kind of fitting on the day after that that she, Kendall Coyne Schofield, has been named the player development coach uh, for the Blackhawks, and particularly the uh, Rockford Ice as well. So congratulations to Blackhawks TV and Banner Video on that as well. But back to Kendall and you know how these steps are being taken. We touched on a little bit before hearing from Kendall herself. Uh, Kim Ng, who went to University of Chicago and played softball and all of a sudden was an intern with the White Sox 30 years ago, gradually making her way up, paying her dues, and finally getting her break, uh, what, about 10 days ago or so when Derek Jeter named her the general manager of the Miami Marlins. And hockey-wise, this comes on the heels of, uh, the Seattle Kraken naming Cami Granado. You heard Kendall talk about Cami's influence. She was named a pro scout uh, among the first hires that Seattle made uh, out there as they begin their expansion season a year or so from now. Uh, Haley Wickenheiser, the great uh, women's Canadian hockey player is also a development coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that sets a precedent ahead of Kendall Coyne Schofield. And there was also a woman named uh, Dawn Braid. I don't know if you ever heard from her. She was a former figure skater, and her dad uh, owned a skating business, and she became a consultant and eventual skating coach or consultant for a couple of NHL teams, the Arizona Coyotes a few years ago. I believe she's still working for the Calgary Flames. But she has her own skating school in which guys like, you know, John Tavares and Taylor Hall and uh, Matthew Kachuk, they go to her for skating lessons, and she is one of the more renowned uh, skating coaches in all the NHL. So there has been a precedent set, but Joe, with some of the names that we mentioned here, it's great to hear that it's, it's becoming deeper, and
1: uh, it's been a long time coming as well. Well, your question to her, which I, I think it still needs to be asked, like, yes, it's it's progressive, it's great that these things and these changes are happening in the NHL level and with these organizations, but, you know, where where is the respect still coming from? How do we know that it's actually being made rather than just, oh, Team A hired a woman and never hear from it then, from then on out? The whole... It's more of, of a figurehead or title, exactly, and down on the ice, exactly. And it, it kind of it was interesting to hear her even say, you know, not so much in confidence, but just how. She wasn't quite sure, why would I be going on these appearances to schools when Jonathan Taves is? Why would I tag along? And then her, her needing to get some reassurance. Well, no, they want to hear from you. They they want to see what you have to say in, in all your experience. And then her going on to all the experiences, or rather the encounters she's had with other Blackhawks players, with Patrick Kane asking how training camp went, Connor Murphy talking uh, with her on the ice, and all, all those things, it just seems like, She's now getting or has had experience at every level that it definitely helps this role of player development because now going in with this hockey growth specialist aspect, okay, you're dealing with the youth. And you're seeing how kids are growing up playing hockey, how it's expanding in neighborhoods, and what kids are doing right, what they need to improve on, what things do they like. She's also commented college games at the M- on NBC for Notre Dame. She's done it at the NHL level. And now she's dealing with player development where she'll be in Rockford and in the minor league. So it's just it's great to see how she's going to be so experienced at all these different levels which just makes it even more suitable for her job. And with that, just more designed to succeed at this job and and has more integrity because she's been at all these different stops. Not to mention she's played on her own and won a gold medal, but she's just had experience at all these different levels with all these different teams and players. So she just gains that that ability for people to to understand what she has to say, to believe in what she has to say, and make the team better for having her on that. It. And it's great to see that the Blackhawks are kind of leading the way here
0: because the NHL is still in catch-up mode. We've seen you know some, some uh, uh, women impact in the NBA uh, with assistant coaches there. Uh, we've seen the same in the NFL with uh, assistant coaches and referees in that sport, too. And uh, it's great to see the NHL catching up on that and the Blackhawks being uh, kind of front and center. Yes, th- there were some... Uh Previous aspects, we mentioned Cami Granado in San uh, Seattle and Haley Wickenheiser with Toronto. And, and rightly so, that those great women players should have the roles that they have. And now Kendall getting this opportunity here with the Blackhawks. And uh, she's not the only person in Blackhawks hockey operations now uh, because she has a couple of predecessors there. Megan Hunter has been working closely with Stan Bowman as his assistant the last couple of years. Uh, she was a great player at Wisconsin, went on to do some coaching in college. Uh, and uh, she's been with the Blackhawks for a couple of years. She was promoted to Director of Hockey Administration and Amateur Scout. And uh, Mary Bartolo is someone the Blackhawks hired a few years ago and has gradually worked her way up into the Hockey Operations Department as a, kind of an a- analytics coordinator. So uh, good on the Blackhawks, uh, three females in their Hockey Operations Department, and uh, now Kendall Coyne added uh, to make it three. Uh, so congratulations once again to our fellow Southwest Sider, Kendall Coyne Schofield. All right, let's talk a little bit more about where the NHL is and its negotiations to try and come back here and uh, have a what will be a 2021 season because uh, 2020 is going to be in the rearview mirror before they get the season underway. Now it's just a matter of when. And no, I haven't been able to answer that question to anybody in the hallways here at WGN Radio either. We're all kind of in waiting mode, and I think the overall... Uh, perspective as, as we start the week here on Monday, Th- there were some bumps last week in the negotiations because, uh, the reality of where the COVID cases are going right now, the likelihood of having fans in the stands, a- at least through a majority of what could be maybe a four month, 60 game season, I think is, are uh, the most likely, uh, schedules being kicked around right now. Um, and, The reality of the the financial implications, even though these two sides, the Players Association and management, came to terms on a multi-year deal to try and set a structure to what the NHL would look like here financially and in terms of of revenues and and how they would split things up, uh, there seems to be a new reality here among management asking a little bit more. I could see it from their standpoint, uh, and one thing the players I think may be more acceptable is defer some of that money, as long as it's guaranteed they're going to event- eventually get that back on some of those contracts, making whatever it is, 60 or 70% of what they're contract for this coming season should be the escrow thing is a whole other thing that's been a dirty word for players for years in terms of revenue split and having to give uh, some of that money back for the good of the health of the league and uh this is a little bit of a bumpy ride there's going to have to be some give and take but with the nba getting something done uh we saw kind of a semi-black eye that major league baseball took with all their um Pouting and arguing during the course of this pandemic when people were just, you know, uh, literally craving the return of baseball and other sports. Find a way to get it done. And it, it may be a little ugly and a little bit, may, may be a little bit contentious here early in the week. And now we're at a timetable here where if you want to start a season January 1st or a little bit after that, you're going to have to start getting guys in their respective cities to begin training camps. And uh, it would seem as though, as we record here on Monday evening, Get it done by the end of the week, the weekend, early next week at the latest. Find a way to hammer something out where both sides are agreeable and you can have a 2021 season.
1: Yeah, that that clock is definitely ticking for that January 1st start. And it's not even so much to, to get it on, on time at that specific date. It's just for the length and the future of this league moving on from 2021? Because how much do we talk about it last year with all the disputes that were going on and Oh, yeah, well, what is next year going to look like? I'm pretty sure that if they get the season underway on January 1st, then they've got their best shot of going back to a somewhat normal season in 2021-2022. Now, that's a very high ask for right now, and nobody's thinking about the following year. Everyone's thinking about this upcoming year. But I really hope you don't see something like the MLB situation, where there's just constant bickering on both sides, and you do understand arguments on both sides, but the, the inability just to come to some sort of agreement, it doesn't does two things. It it ticks off the fans, it delays the start of the season, and it really tarnishes any type of ability to agree on anything moving forward with any type of future negotiations involved, whether it's a a contract with the players or whatever. It's just a lot of bad blood that I also think baseball is going to see some bad repercussions from as well. But there's just so much that goes into it, and we've been through this conversation before. You take away the fans aspect, that's a hit on the income that teams would normally get. Okay, you do get some fans. All right. Then players say, well, then we shouldn't take that hard of a hit. Well, it's only a portion of the fans we fully expect. So there's there's so many little entities, but the thing that always happens is when another sport figures it out first, then the spotlight gets drawn on you a little bit more, there's a lot more pressure. But again, I think for everyone involved, each day... This thing still does not get figured out. It hurts everybody involved.
0: Yeah, and I think it's been at least two weeks since the NBA hammered out their Mm -hmm. deal, and you almost expected, okay, then the NHL should quickly follow suit. So uh, there have been some hurdles and some stumbling blocks here. I think you can figure 82-game schedule, forget about that. Uh, 60 seems to be about the number. If you're going to do that and start January 1st or mid-January, 60 games, if you're playing 15 a month, that puts you through April. Uh, perhaps into May they're talking about building in a couple of weeks at the end of the season in case there are teams that can't play if if the virus should potentially hit. And if it doesn't happen that way, great, you can start the playoffs right on time. And uh, the other factor that seems to be a, a common thread here is that, yes, there are probably ways to get around it with other networks, but if NBC is trying to start the Summer Olympics the third week of July, they want to have the hockey season done by the third week of July, all the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts here that they try to figure out. I would not want to be on these calls every day and try to find a way to figure things out and and negotiate all these arguments. And another aspect of this, we were talking about revenues. Another thing being discussed is, yeah, teams playing in and this, they borrowed from baseball, for better or worse. Trying to limit travel, trying to regionalize uh, the team so they play a certain number, handful of games uh, within a division. And we'll talk about these divisions coming up here. But again, teams being able to play in their home arenas and perhaps two or three game series against one team. And then, you know, further down the road, you play that same team in their arena. Um, And in order to get some revenue back, uh, playing in the home arenas allows teams to at least advertise. And and get some money from advertisers, we can place that within their arenas or within their home broadcast or whatnot. So that's something that's being borrowed and and from from what baseball did, it seemed to work fairly well with a couple of ex- exceptions in Miami and St. Louis, and so limiting teams to certain geographics and playing eight or nine teams within their division. Actually, it's seven or eight teams within their division. It's trying to make things manageable, and uh, so you're not going to all parts of different time zones and playing one-offs and getting back out of town, which could complicate matters, too.
1: Ironically, what, is the Central Division? No, I guess Canada, too. But if, if they were to go through this season with the realigned divisions, the Central Division would have a lot of different teams in the Eastern time zone or the Central time zone. So, you know, you'd have Detroit crying once again for (laughs) jumping from the eastern time zone to play a central time zone game. Uh, When you bring up the baseball situation with Miami and St. Louis, you'd like to say, well, yeah, all that happened where there was the spread of the virus, and then games got canceled, but then everyone understood the severity of taking the protocol seriously, and then everything got figured out. But we're seeing the same thing going on with football, and when it comes down to it, it's just basically travel. So... I think that's the biggest hurdle to leap in this situation of, and again, the approach is probably the best situation, go up to Chicago, play a couple of games, you know, if you're if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, play a couple of games, and then go to Detroit, maybe play a game or two, and then go back down to Florida, and then when the Hawks and the Wings come down to Florida, they play the Lightning and the Panthers, and they just knock it out, and um, we're we're past the idea of being able to play every team. I just don't see any way that that's possibly going to happen. Right now, you're just hoping to get a season, and then you're going to have to do whatever it takes to get that season had. I'm sure there's going to be people complaining, well, how can you jump into a playoff run where all you do is face a certain pool of teams? That's exactly what baseball did. <laughs> that's, that's pandemic. Uh, that's pandemic yeah. sports right now, unfortunately. Take it or leave it if you want it. That's what you're going to have yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, you got to pick your battles with this. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of I- intrigued so, by the yeah, idea. Let's, of... let's, let's go through some of these divisions <laughs> yeah, here. The, yeah, the reported
0: with... divisions, and everyone seems to be kind of agreement. I believe, I believe Puck Daddy Greg Wasinski was the first <laughs> to report this, and in, in, since then, it's from from some digging. A lot of the other uh, national reporters are seeing the same things in the Hawks division, which I don't know would be called Central or what, but because you do have your share of uh, Eastern teams that. You know, are are going to be uh, affected, quote unquote, by this. But the Hawks would be in a division with Columbus, good team. Detroit in a rebuild, but a rival. Florida Panthers with Joe Quenville and uh, and company down there. The Nashville Predators, the Pittsburgh Penguins, another Eastern uh, Time Zone team, but a little bit closer to the Central one. The, your St. Louis Blues. So you have St. Louis and Detroit uh, from the old uh, Hawks division. In there as well as the defending champion, uh, Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. So, Hawks, Columbus, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Tampa Bay—an eight-team division. And first of all, you'll—you'll you'll be that team would include four of the last five Stanley Cup winners: two times for Pittsburgh, one for St. Louis, one for Tampa Bay. And the other thing is, if you're playing a sixty-game schedule, you average that out. If these are the only teams you're playing. You take you play uh, these teams eight times a piece, so you have to split what you want in terms of uh, home and away. That would seem to be fairly even if you wanted to go, you know, two at a time or four at a time in each team's arena. But there would be four of those teams you would play nine times, so you'd be getting very familiar with these opponents. And uh, but it's quite the interesting setup. And when you take a look at some of the other divisions. Uh, there's some nastiness over there with how that breaks down, including the lone Canadian division. Imagine our folks up north, uh, how they would be reacting and how, how chaotic and psychotic that would be. But, uh, yes, yeah, so, some interesting potential matchups here. The, the Blackhawks very rarely have seen Sidney Crosby throughout his career, but they may be in all likelihood seeing a whole lot of him. And yeah, you'd be seeing St. Louis and Nashville and, uh, uh, Detroit Red Wings, as well, who are in uh, a big rebuild mode themselves, but uh, it would kind of spark up that rivalry. I wonder if they play at the United Center, whether they'd they'd pipe in the old fan chance when Detroit (laughs) is at the United Center or not.
1: What uh, what I want to (laughs) know is what teams are able to have fans, and just by the looks of it, I I can't imagine, I don't know, I I don't want to speak too soon, but say the Blackhawks are not allowed to have fans, Nashville is. Mm-hmm. Do we get that whole block the red, don't don't <laughs> let any Chicago fans come down here to go right. to the game? I well, mean,
0: maybe they have to quarantine if you travel down there, too. Yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would be excited to see the revival of the Blackhawks and the Red Wings being in the same division again. That That'll be somewhat fun. But, yeah, again, this is just what you're going to have to deal with. Now, they haven't gone down the rabbit hole of... Playoff scenarios yet, have they? Because this almost seems like it works out so well where you could have your division winners in all four and then maybe a wild card in all four. Well, by the time the playoffs comes around, we'll have the vaccine and we'll be all yeah, set, that's right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> wishful,
0: <laughs> wishful thinking there. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, some uh, very interesting scenarios here. Again, you play uh, each team at least eight times, and uh, you'd have to play uh, four, nine times under this. Uh, eight uh, team division and looking at some of the others obviously uh, you knock off the teams that were in the or have been in the Hawks division you have Colorado and uh, Dallas and Minnesota going to the west with Anaheim Arizona LA San Jose and Vegas that would uh, be the western division if we're not going to make this too complicated (laughs) the eastern division Boston Buffalo Carolina, New Jersey, the Rangers, the Islanders, Philadelphia, and Washington. And uh, there's some real cozy travel there. You don't have to go very far. Those are like uh, hour, hour and a half long plane trips. So uh, that sets up nicely for all those teams in the East. And then, of course, all the seven Canadian teams. These three divisions that we mentioned, would each have eight teams, the Canadian division, uh, Canada only based on the travel restrictions, that have been in place for quite some time. Heck, the the Toronto Raptors have to play in Tampa Bay. And uh, the Blue Jays weren't even allowed to play at home during the baseball season. But Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, and Winnipeg. And for those rabid Canadian fans on who's the best team on their side of the border, uh, that would be be interesting. And yeah, it remains to be seen. We're waiting, just like everybody else, if we get to a playoff scenario, do they blow everything up and just go by seeds, or do you stay within the teams within the division that have managed to advance? Question marks all over the place.
1: Yeah, you could, and theoretically you could do, let's say, the top three teams in each division and then go to the whole 24-team format like they did this past season, but you can make the argument that Canada gets the edge because they only have seven teams, so you only got to be the third best out of seven. But it, it's going to come down to a, a whole new funky setup all, all over again, I'd imagine. Um, but, man, on this tweet, have you seen this map of just everyone's travel scenario? <laughs> no, it's, I didn't see that. Because I was looking at the Central Division, and it, it's so, you know, it's very Midwest, but then, mm-hmm. oh, you got this it's little— like a reverse question mark almost, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great analogy. <laughs> Yeah, it goes down to Florida, but but the West is almost spread out throughout the most in the United States because it goes all the way from San Francisco to Minnesota, uh, and then of course Canada just covers the entire yeah uh, northern. Pointing out some
0: plane mileage, North uh, America for Canada. So under this scenario, if we're looking at a sixty-game season, you're looking at thirty at home, and you know you're you're finding a way to chop up and, and divvy that thing up with. You know, depending on how many opponents that you face, but again, this is all speculation right now. uh, Again, like we, uh, I said a moment ago, eighty-two is not realistic if you're looking to try and get this thing back on track. Uh, If you're going fifteen games a month, and you know uh, you host, say, a couple of games with Columbus and a couple of games with Detroit at the United Center, the Blackhawks do. And they go on the road for return series with those two or one, uh, two of the others within their division, uh, or if you you try and stretch this out for each team to have say two week home stands with, you know two or three games against each team, uh, sprinkled with a, a day or two in between. Uh, that's those things are all on the table, and those are all the headaches that they have to. Find aspirin for between <laughs> between the owners and and the players. And uh, again, no, thank you. I don't want to be involved in those negotiations. But as long as we're
1: on the outside looking in, would you hurry it up and finish things up? Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, I I honestly wonder too if if coaches and players would be, you know, the fact that they have a shorter season. Is better when they have when they only have seven opponents to play. I mean, don't you think an eighty-two game schedule of just mm. only seven opponents would would be very overbearing? Um, and again, yeah. it just throws into the aspect of well, if there's less regular season games, you can make up with it, make up for it with more postseason games. But again, it's there's a lot that goes all into it, and that's a big reason why it's taking so long. I mean, the biggest reason does come down to money, but there's a lot to go into it, and uh, I'm I'm glad I'm not one of the decision-makers in that aspect. Me too. Uh, Before we wrap
0: up, two Blackhawks in the news of late, one on the ice and one off. Let's talk about the one on the ice first. And Kirby Dock, the Blackhawks uh, did uh, grant him or did allow... Uh, the Canadian junior world team to uh, for him to be a part of that squad he no doubt will be they're having tryouts right now I believe they got about 40 or 50 guys in camp and uh, it's been going on for a week or so and the world juniors don't begin until uh, mid late December Uh, it'll happen up in Edmonton but uh, Kirby Dock is the Blackhawks representative there and as long as the Blackhawks um, aren't in camp and, and that's another situation that can evolve depending on. You know, when, when camp comes and whether the Blackhawks would want to let him play game action with the world juniors, depending on when the regular season starts, or whether they want to bring him back for camp. But Kirby Doc, uh, right now, based on some of the highlights that we're seeing on social media from some of the scrimmages, especially on Sunday night, uh, is a lock to make that team. Doc, a lock. No real surprise based on what we saw after him coming back from the pause and, and his work in the playoffs. But, uh, on Sunday, some video was was tweeted out. He had two goals and an assist in a scrimmage, inter squad scrimmage, and he was on a line with, um, two other first round picks from 2019. Philip Tomasimo, who's with, uh, uh, Tomasino, who's with, uh, Nashville and Connor Zaria, who's with Calgary. Those were the two other guys on his line. Doc had two goals and a spinorama assist. There was also a practice video that was released last week about him doing another spinorama assist. So, uh he might uh, be taking a lot of tips behind the scenes from The New Daddy, too, in Patrick Kane. <laughs> well, uh, he's it, definitely looking
1: good. And so. it's it's no surprise that, you know, Kirby Doc is playing to his elite level. I I think we all were just really taught a lesson with the potential of this guy's talent when he he took that quarantine as basically a challenge to improve himself, both as a hockey player and just totally physically. So it's, number one, it's cool to see the Blackhawks give him the lenience to go ahead and do this and just help elevate his game, but it also just shows their confidence in, listen, we know that this can only make you a better hockey player because of basically your commitment that you've shown us the past year or two. Um, so it's 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 exciting for Blackhawks fans to one get to maybe see him a little bit in action a little bit more and just see how he can improve on uh, even even though how how well he did in the in the playoff run and. Yeah, maybe he has been talking to uh Father Patrick yes. these days. There is a Patrick
0: Kane the 3rd now. Congratulations to 88 him and his girlfriend uh, welcoming Patrick Kane the 3rd. I believe it was back on November 12th. I think they put it uh, out on social media uh, a week or so later, but uh, a real cutie. Congratulations <laughs> to Patrick. He turned 32 a couple of days ago, if if not a couple of days ago, he will soon. I know it's uh, late in November. So let's see 32 uh, if Patrick does play until he's 50 and if, uh, if he coaches his son up enough or uh, if, if, if Patrick is is just as good as his dad coming through, maybe they end up playing together with the Blackhawks back in. Let's see, let's do the math here, which I'm bad at. 2038, 2039 season. You no, know, maybe maybe we'll see the father son combination on the ice. The well United yeah, side.
1: okay. Okay, yeah. If it's 2020, yes, his <laughs> his son Patrick Kane the 3rd would have to be, yeah, it'd be 2038. You got to check a lot of boxes before that uh, <laughs> Patrick the 3rd. Well no, didn't didn't one of his trainers say recently on Twitter that I think he yes. can play until yeah. he's 50 years old? Right. So all right, there, there's the vote of confidence you need there. Uh yeah, no, it's cool to see uh, Patrick Kane get some get some dad strength, and uh, we'll see see how it changes him as a hockey player. Yeah, how I'm good sure of a no. player can he be with that dad with <laughs> strength,
0: or maybe lack of sleep sometimes?
1: When, yeah, with, right, when right. At That age, so. well, it, uh, G- it didn't fare well for Chris Bryant this year. I don't think so. No. But <laughs> so let let's hope for better things for Patrick Kane.
0: And uh, again, congratulations to 88 on fatherhood. And when you remember when he broke in at age 18. Uh, watching his first game, uh, that's what makes you feel even older in this, in this day and age. So with that, that's a wrap. Uh, Joe, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I know, uh, you survived a little COVID scare within, uh, your, very immediate family, and uh, hopefully you're keeping things downsized, and hope everyone else keeps things downsized here for, for Thanksgiving and over the holidays, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Glad to hear you both
0: made it through, though, yeah, you and your wife. Yeah.
1: yeah, thank you. Yeah, my wife uh, had a bit of a, a COVID scare, but uh, she's she's back to her normal self, alive and kicking, and um, yeah, I, I mean, Thanksgiving is always a fun, memorable, significant holiday in this country, so I understand a lot of people are probably upset with what's going on, but just... Keep 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 in mind, you know, if we follow the rules, follow the protocols, it'll only be this year. So I guess keep that in mind, but still... Feel free to have a great Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. under the different circumstances, and find a way to reach out and see your family other than you know being there in person. And hopefully, we can all get through this sooner than later.
0: I second that, and Joe. If you can just keep your father, family gathering this year from fifty down to say at least thirty, I'll, I'll try try I'll to try, do that. Yeah. But uh, I uh, echo those sentiments as well. And in a very difficult year, when it's been uh, at times hard for some people to find things to be thankful for, um, again, I'll well, we'll have to uh, especially take a moment uh, this week. On Thursday, in particular, to uh, try and find those ways as we continue to try pushing through these very different times. And speaking of different times, your uh, your teaching career is now up. Can we hit the musical interlude or the uh, best of Joe Brand's teaching career? Um, I, I gather you you're happy it's it's in the rearview mirror for the most part. You're still still maybe available. Yeah, if called upon. Yeah. in an emergency. Sure,
1: the Scott Foster,
0: <laughs> the Scott Foster of of uh, grammar school gym teachers.
1: Yeah, sure, uh, sure. If uh, yeah, if the school is without a <laughs> doubt scraping the bottom of the barrel and they can't find anyone else, of course I'll I'll come in and not even team s- save the day, but just uh, pour some water out of the boat as it's quickly filling up. No, it was a. Uh, it was a great time over in uh, School District 100. Uh, those teachers are rock stars, superheroes. If you're a teacher, uh, yeah. thank you for all that you do. Um, at, right when I was leaving, was the time they were trying to figure out everything for doing it hybrid, and everyone was running around like crazy, freaking out because that's. And Joe's like, "I'm out." Yeah, no. They honestly, they go. They kept saying, "I am so jealous of you. You're able to just leave out right now." Um, but yeah. Uh, if you're a teacher, we're all thinking of you, and we do appreciate your efforts because we understand how difficult this is, especially for you. Uh, I am glad it is in my rearview mirror. It was a great time connecting to these 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, but I could not be more happy just to be focusing on talking into a microphone and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah. Well, stick tap to you
0: for uh, for <laughs> uh, being out there and, and uh, helping out and being a team player, and uh, again, uh, Stick tap multiple times to all the, the healthcare workers who all over the world, all over this country and this city, who uh, again have been uh, dealing with some of these numbers that are just going absolutely insane. We are extremely grateful for all you do, and it's uh, upon all of us to try and do what we can do to uh, kind of lighten their load because uh, we would not want to be in their shoes and we're forever grateful for all that they do. And we are grateful to you for listening to this edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. We hope we're going to have another one fairly quickly once news comes down of a uh, resumption of the – I shouldn't say resumption. It would be the start of a new NHL season and what all the details are of that and how closely those track with some of the things we've been discussing here over the course of the last uh, – Oh, 45 minutes or so, 45 minutes plus or so. So uh, we will see how uh, that eventually happens. Knock on some kind of wood that I can't find here that it does eventually happen soon. We hope all of you have a very happy and safe Thanksgiving as well as holiday season. But again, hopefully we're talking to you very soon to to discuss uh, an upcoming NHL season with the Blackhawks. So for Joe Brand, our producer, Curtis Koch, thanks as well to... Krista Flores, for helping us uh, punch up some buttons that we were unsure mm-hmm. of here in recording the podcast. Uh, again, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hope to talk to you soon on another edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast.
2: How about that? won
0: it. The Hawks win the Stanley Cup. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one.
2: That was great.